All right, if you would, take your Bible and open to Titus chapter 3. So good to be able to gather together to pray, to sing these psalms together, to reflect, to think about God's work in our, in our hearts and that confession and repentance and hope that comes when we, when we gather in that way. And so this morning as we continue to look at Scripture, we're reminded of the kindness of God that draws us to repentance, the goodness of God as He pours out His grace on us. And we're going to take this morning these combined fruits, kindness and goodness together. So because of uh, COVID and I missed the first week of the year, all my uh, plans got thrown off by a week, but we're going to combine these two together because I think kindness and goodness fit well together as we think about those, those fruits. Generally, the fruits of the Spirit are combined into groups of three, and so this allows us to tie together patience, kindness, goodness this morning. And then as we'll just continue to move ahead in the coming weeks, and then before we know it, we're into March and looking toward Easter. So that's where we're focused as, as a church family this morning, looking out of Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And again this morning, I know this TV is not rocking right now, but we'll have the ones up here on the, uh, uh, on the big screens, and you at home will be able to see it. But we have another of our Emmaus families that is going to read the Scripture for you. And this morning, we don't have a funny chicken in the background, but we do have a super cute kid. So uh, that, will, that will make up for it. Watch this video as we read Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Hello, Emmaus family. It's the Ackers, Michael, Allison, and Tommy. Um, we're here to read the Bible verse this week. It's Titus 3, 1 through 8. Um, we just want to say we miss all of you. We can't wait to introduce you to Tommy. Um, and sorry for if we hear any squealing during this reading. <laughs> Remind them to be submissive to the rulers and authorities, to, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one and avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out it so on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want to you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for the people. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good problem to have, having a baby making noise in the back of the, uh, of the scripture video. So I love that. So thankful for God's work and, and our families as we think about these things together. This morning, as we get ready to get started and look at scripture, I want to give you a caution, just kind of a heads up as, as we get into this. There's the potential that you would have a little bit of frustration with what happens this morning because as we think about kindness and goodness, and the two main points this morning are be kind and do good. And you might think, seriously, Owen? Like, uh, I showed up, I got online, I'm what? For you to tell me that we're supposed to be kind and, and do good, uh, shouldn't we be back in the preschool area somewhere? Well, 
That's a good option. <laughs> it's good that we remember those things that we learn as preschoolers. But I want you to hear this morning the importance of the concepts of kindness and goodness. And that this morning, you wouldn't take these as oversimplified lessons that we learn in preschool, but you would see the connection with God's character. And how in the world in which we live right now, the importance of kindness and goodness. In a world filled, let's be honest, oftentimes with so much hate, and slander and negativity, that we, through the power of God, have a chance to display God's kindness and goodness to the world. That we're able to live those things out together. As a Christian, you never need to apologize for being kind. That in the world in which we live, we need the kindness and goodness of God expressed through his people. Let me show you this quote from a gentleman named Esau Macaulay, a Christian author and theologian. He says that Paul calls upon Christians to be tender-hearted toward one another, to avoid bitterness, wrath, and slander. Kindness is not weakness. We really don't have to be cruel, sarcastic, and biting. It doesn't make us look strong it's mostly just sad. As Christians, we should be known as those who are warm and considerate and generous and caring and loving and patient and showing the kindness and goodness to the world around us because, here's an important distinction, in our world, there are a lot of cliches and a lot of statements that are thrown around about kindness and goodness. There are people looking for these realities in the world of just be the good in the world and send out positive vibes into the universe and encircle yourself with people of kindness. All of these things are talked about outside of the church, outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we want to see this morning, though, is the power of God at work in the life, in the the power of God at work in the world when his people display kindness and goodness to those around him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, famous passage about love. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. This idea of love and patience and kindness being lived out. So let's start where we normally start. Let's start with the character of God. Starting with the character of God, Let's talk about God's kindness. How do we see God's kindness displayed in the world? Now this first verse that I'm gonna show you, you may say, Owen, the word kindness is missing there. Hang tight, let me show you. Psalm 136, verse one. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. There's God's goodness, there's the core of his character being demonstrated. For his steadfast love endures forever. That phrase that you see on the screen, and it may be expressed in different ways in the translation that you're reading this morning, but that phrase, steadfast love, is one word in the Hebrew language, and it's the word that we usually write out with English letters as hesed, H-E-S-E-D. Now, that H at the beginning of that word, if you're trying to speak it in Hebrew, it should sound like you're clearing your throat. So it's not a soft H, it's kind of this hard H-C-K sound. It doesn't sound good when you have a microphone. Really, it doesn't sound good anytime, but if you just pretend you're th clearing your throat and then you say the word hesed, you get the idea of what it sounds like in, in the Hebrew language. And friends, it is such a core word for biblical theology. I cannot overstate the importance of this word 
in Scripture. It speaks not only of God's kindness, but it's his covenant kindness. Sometimes we would call it his loyal love to his people. It's not a kindness that is earned or deserved. It's a kind of kindness that is based on the character of God and that is poured out on his people over and over and over throughout Scripture. And so from the very beginning, I want you to see here how God's kindness endures forever, how it's not earned or deserved. It's poured out on his people because he is good. It flows from his character, which is so important for us because even living in Oklahoma, we have a little bit of the South in us where we can look really nice and kind on the outside, and we don't particularly feel that way on the inside in that same moment. So we've taught ourselves on the outside, I can play the nice game, I can play the kind game, but it's really not true within me. Except true kindness as a fruit of the Spirit flows from the inside out. He is kind, he is good, and it endures forever. Let me show you how this plays itself out in another place in Scripture. If you look in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, we find that our God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful as your Father is merciful. Kindness as a fruit of the Spirit is not determined by how the other person acts toward us. And man, that's hard. (laughs) Because there are certain people who, let's be honest, are just a little bit easier to be kind to to show kindness towards someone when they don't earn it or deserve it is the work of God's power in our lives, that our God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And Romans 2 tells us, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? How incredible is that? We speak of God being compassionate and kind and loyal and patient. For what purpose is that true of God's character? In order to lead us to repentance. Kindness as a fruit of the Spirit doesn't mean just letting people do whatever they want to. Kindness is another element of the fruit of the Spirit that could feel like, so you're just telling me I'm just supposed to let people run over me all the time? No, what's the purpose of kindness? To lead us to repentance to show us the character of God, to show us what it means to live in this world as God's people. Maybe the best place to see this is if we go back to Titus chapter three, what the actors were reading for us before. Let me show you this from Titus chapter three and the way this has worked out, this idea of repentance and salvation. So Titus chapter three, our main text for this morning, starting in verse one, remind them Paul is speaking to Titus about how to lead the church. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. There's our reference to goodness that we're getting this morning. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, before we go past those verses, Let's just acknowledge how good those verses are right now for us to read and and just to go back over slowly. Think about what it is to be God's people in the world, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, obedient to what God has called us to do, to be ready, always prepared to do good work in the world, to speak evil of no one. The people of God are those who speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, 
we're going to talk about gentleness as the fruit of the Spirit in a couple of weeks, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. This is what God has called us to. Think about how countercultural that is. Think about how beautiful that picture is when it's lived out in the world. But look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once not that way. <laughs> so verses 1 and 2, the people are acknowledging we were not always like this. We were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. This is the opposite side of the coin. This is what was talked about earlier in Luke chapter six where God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. God's kindness was poured out to us even in our sin, for what purpose? To draw us to repentance. Look at verses four and five. Verses four and five says, but when the goodness and loving kindness, there's our combination of words again, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Repentance is tied to God's salvation. The idea that forgiveness, repentance, salvation all go together. Now before we talk about these verses, let me say something about your Bible translations. If you're watching at home, whatever Bible translation you might have, or if you're here in the room, let's say something about this. On Sunday mornings, when I'm preparing sermons and preaching sermons, I use a translation of the Bible called the English Standard Version. When I first started preaching, and especially started preaching here at Emmaus, I would rotate translations from time to time just to show people I wasn't tied to any one particular translation, and I ended up causing a boatload of confusion, even more than I normally cause. And so instead of rotating translations all the time, I thought I've just got to come back to one pick one, stick to it, provide some consistency. And so I use the English Standard Version. It's a good translation. I just want to remind you of how important it is in Bible study to compare translations to one another. There's nothing wrong with the translation goodness here, except for some reason that I have no idea why the translators of the English Standard Version took a word that almost every other time is translated kindness throughout the New Testament, and they translated it goodness. Does it affect the meaning overall? No, it's still a fine translation, except they just missed this really important connection throughout the New Testament that this word goodness here in the English Standard Version, if you're reading King James this morning or you're reading New International Version, that first reference in verse four is probably gonna be the word kindness that's gonna come out in your, in your English translation. And that word, friends, when it is used in reference to God in the New Testament, is always connected to his work of salvation. In the New Testament, as we see the kindness of God poured out to us, the kindness of God is always tied to his work of salvation. When you think about what it is to be kind, it's always meant to be drawn back to repentance, always about being drawn back to salvation, this work that God does in the world. And so God is kind, and his kindness leads us to repentance, and repentance shows us the power of salvation. Now let me show you this in the next verse, because it just keeps going. Middle of verse five, middle of verse five, but according to his own mercy, how does that mercy come? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us new. This is that language of being born again. I know 
In contemporary church life, we don't talk about being born again very much anymore, but this is the work of the Holy Spirit to change us, to make us new, to take away sin and to give us new life. It comes by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Why will cliches in our world about kindness and goodness never be enough? Because those worldly comments about kindness and goodness never lead us to the salvation of God that he means to give us. In Scripture, though, in Scripture, God's kindness and goodness are meant to draw us to his salvation. Now, let me show you how this goodness is continued to play out here. This idea of God's goodness, Psalm chapter 119 Verse 68, you are good and do good things. Teach me your statutes. I know sometimes we don't memorize Bible verses because they're too long and they're hard to remember, but if you need a Bible verse to carry around with you this week, just to think about over and over and over again, write it down, put it in your phone, find a place to think about it. If you need a Bible verse to take around this week, just take Psalm 119, verse 68. God, you are good and you do good things. Who, who is this God I worship? Who is this God that I want to show to the world? He is a God who is good, and he does good things. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Matthew chapter seven talks about how God loves to give good gifts to his children, and he pours out his goodness on his children and on all people. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He loves to give good things, and we are able to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not just our friends at Life Church, even though they've, they've made it popular, they've picked this up from, from traditions past, but this idea that we say together, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. That God has shown his goodness to us in creation. He's shown his goodness through his word. He's shown his goodness through the good gifts that he gives us in the world. He's shown his goodness to us through eternal life. God's goodness overflows to his people. And here's one of the neat things about spiritual growth. I hope this is an encouragement to you this morning. One of the things that happens in your life as you develop as a Christian is that your understanding of God grows which means that the longer you go in the Christian life, the more you realize how kind and good God is. The longer you go in the Christian life, the more you grow spiritually, the more you get to know and worship God, you find out just how kind and good he is. At the very end of that famous Psalm chapter 23 that talks about the Lord is my shepherd, at the very end of Psalm 23, it says, surely goodness and mercy which is that famous Hesed word for, for kindness, surely God's goodness and kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes people will say, it feels like God is out to get me. Guess what? God is out to get you with his kindness and goodness and love and mercy. It pursues us all the days of our life that that is true of the God who we worship. So, God is kind God is good. What does that mean? We should be kind and we should do good in the world. This is the character and the power of God at work in our lives. So let's take, take kindness first. What does it mean 
to be kind, to live out the kindness of God in the world. I wanna take a verse out of Hosea chapter 11 that references God's kindness because I think this verse is so helpful for understanding the concept of how do I be kind in the world. Hosea chapter 11, verse four, talks about the cords of kindness that God has for his people. Here's the neat thing about the way that the Bible is working in this verse. The word for kindness that's used here as a translation is actually just the word Adam. It's the word for humankind, mankind. What this means is kindness, very simply, is treating another person as a person. Kindness is being humane. Kindness is being considerate and warm and caring and welcoming to treat another person with the dignity that comes because they have been created in the image of God. Because think about how we can treat people as a project, as a number, as an interruption, as a transaction. The kindness of God is simply to treat another person as a person and to show God's love and mercy and patience and goodness toward them. Now, how can we continue to work that out? Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And again, <laughs> the way that our uh, translation works here, that word good is the word that often comes across as kindness in, in the New Testament. So bad company which this word company is a famous word that's connected to the idea of being a part of a gain. So it's a click, a gain, peer pressure, being around people who are not living for the Lord will lead us away from God's kindness, will lead us away from a lifestyle that shows the kindness and the goodness of God. And, and before you blame the teenagers for this, make sure we all take a look at our own lives. The people I'm around the people I am shaped by, the people who have the most influence in my life, do they lead me toward kindness? Who's the kindest person you know? Who is a person when you are around them, they're warm and caring and considerate and they treat you as a person, they care for you in that moment? Who do you know who has that type of kindness? And to be able to surround ourselves with people who lead us in that way, Many of you know that our church partners with a ministry called Hope is Alive. Uh, Hope is Alive is an addiction recovery ministry that has a lot of houses that men and women can go to to be able to work through addiction recovery. And, and one of the things that Hope is Alive does is on Sunday nights, they get together for a weekly meeting. And part of that weekly meeting, at least in the guy's house that I've been to several times, they'll have a section of the meeting that's called brag on bros. So think in your mind here, I know this is hard to think, but if you ever get a chance to go to a Hope is Alive uh, event, I want you to be a part of it. You've got a group of guys, 30 guys maybe, who are getting together on Sunday night, and their whole life up to this point has really been dictated by what amounts to negative influences in their life that's driven them toward addiction, or driven them toward behavior that's been destructive and, and not honoring to God. And now they're living day after day in a home where they're surrounded by people who are talking to them about the good news of Jesus. And so on Sunday night, one thing they do is they get up 
and they take turns bragging on one another about how they see the kindness and goodness of God at work in this other person's life. What does that do to you when you surround yourself with people and their main influence in your life is to lead you toward kindness and goodness? Think about the impact that has on our lives. The desire to be cool and popular will destroy our efforts at kindness. The desire to be powerful, to have power and influence in the world, will often kill our efforts at kindness. And the dangerous thing here, and and you guys know how this works as well as I do, the danger of trying to be cool and powerful, man, that gets into the church in a hurry, doesn't it? And if I can just take all all the blame for this, it's a struggle that pastors have. When you look at across our nation, and you look at the challenges that we face in spiritual life and Christianity, the desire to be cool and the desire to be powerful will kill our efforts to show the kindness of God to the world. And we have to show another way. We have to show what it is that the kindness of God leads us to repentance and leads us to salvation. So the first thing is kind people. The second thing, let's talk about having kind words. This is what you say to your grandkids and your kids all the time. Hey guys, we're, we're gonna use kind words in our house. We're gonna use kind words when we speak to one another. Kind words are things like 2 Timothy chapter two. The Lord's servant, speaking of all of the Lord's servants, God's people together, must not be quarrelsome, so not arguing all the time or divisive, but kind to everyone, able to teach, to instruct, to train, patiently enduring evil, we talked about that last week, correcting opponents with gentleness. My wife has a sign in our entryway that has Proverbs chapter 31, verse 26 on it. The person of wisdom opens her mouth with wisdom, knowing the right thing to say at the right time in the right way, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. We set, as God's people, we set the temperature in the room by the words that we speak. When we are around people, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're doing the activities you do during the week, wherever God sends you during the week, the words that we speak set the temperature in the room, that we can be people who speak with kindness. As followers of Jesus, we should be known as people who speak kind words. You say, come on, Owen. You don't know how the world works. Ah, exactly. That's the point, how the world works. We're not designed or created or called to be just like everybody else around us. We should be distinguished as people who speak kind words, whether or not people earn it or deserve it, that we are able to speak the goodness of God, the kindness of God into these situations. Ephesians chapter four is so helpful here. If you look at the end of Ephesians four, these verses, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. God, don't let me speak in a way that's bitter, angry, always trying to get ahead, always speaking badly about other people. Let me put away all that malice and just be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. One of the best ways to speak kindness is simply to forgive those around us. Kind people, kind words, kind actions, Probably the most famous verse about kind actions comes from Micah chapter six, verse eight. He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, 
and to love kindness, there's our favorite word from this morning, our, our Hesed word, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. I love this verse, the way that kindness is the bridge between doing justice in the world and walking humbly with your God. We're called to make a difference, but we're not God. We walk humbly with our God. How do we do that in the world? We love kindness. We show the loving kindness, the loyal kindness of God to the world around us. The prophets in the Old Testament are so helpful for this, and maybe my favorite verse about this is from Zechariah chapter seven. What does it look like to show the justice and kindness and goodness of God to the world? Zechariah chapter seven. Thus says the Lord, render true judgment. So be trustworthy, speak about what is true, do what's right, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. As we're thinking about this idea of how do we show God's kindness to the world, don't miss the final phrase there on that verse, devising evil against another in your heart. (laughs) How often in our hearts and minds, even though we never express the words or do the actions, What we have going in our heart and mind is not particularly kind toward other people. The kindness of God toward others begins with how we think and feel toward the people around us. That we are not devising evil against others, even in our own hearts. But we want to be able to express the kindness of God. And specifically, who receives the kindness of God in in these verses? The widow, the orphan, the foreigner, the poor. We show kindness toward those who are least able to reciprocate that kindness back to us, who who don't have the resources and the means to give us things. So this is not about sucking up. This is about how do I show God's kindness to those who are in moments of weakness. And, And friends, here's something that's so important at this moment. Remember our original definition of kindness from Hosea chapter 11, to treat another person as a person? Someone who is down and out, someone who is hurting, someone who's a widow or an orphan or a foreigner or going through a time of poverty, we do not treat that person as a project. We treat that person as a person. That when we show the kindness and goodness and love and generosity of God to people in need, they're not our project. They're someone who is created in the image of God, someone for whom Jesus has died, someone who we are able to meet on the same level and say, I wanna love you, I want to care for you, and I want to treat you with the dignity that you deserve in this moment. And in that way, we are able to then show the kindness and love and generosity of God to the people around us. What does it mean to to do good in the world? Let's look back for a second at at Titus chapter 3. We need to wrap up one final verse there in Titus 3 as we talk about uh, about doing good. Titus chapter 3 verse 8. The saying, all these things we've been saying about God's salvation and his kindness, Paul says the saying is trustworthy. You can count on this, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So when we say that the people of God are supposed to be kind and do good, hear me out on this. We are saved for good works, not by good works. 
So when we talk about doing good, we're not talking about doing good in order to earn God's salvation. We know from Ephesians chapter two, we know from Titus chapter three, that God's salvation is given to us in a moment that we did not earn it or deserve it. It is a gift of God's grace and kindness. So we are not saved by good works, but we are most definitely saved for good works, good works that God himself has prepared for us to do. And so we have to make sure we get that in the right order. We have to make sure we understand how God's work of salvation and transformation happens. Let me show you a couple of verses about doing good from the New Testament. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus went about doing good. What's our reputation in the community, in the world around us? Think about this. When Peter is talking to the early church, talking to people about Jesus, Jesus was known as someone who went about doing good. Who do you know who their reputation is that they just go about doing good? And at risk of just completely embarrassing him because I know he doesn't want the attention, how can you not think of Jim Leehu? in a moment like that. that. That their reputation in the community is they just go around doing good, sharing the love of God with the people around us. And, and we're gonna tie Jim's reputation in just a minute with the importance of sharing the gospel. I want you to see that. Romans chapter 12, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we talk about doing good in the world, it begins with living lives of holiness. Doing good begins with doing what is right according to God's word, pushing back evil. So wherever you see evil and brokenness in the world, that's where the people of God have been called to do good. We see evil thriving, we see people being treated unjustly, we see brokenness happening. That is an opportunity for the goodness of the gospel to shine through. Here's the other neat thing about the word goodness in the New Testament. It's a word that can also mean beautiful. When you do good and beautiful work, when you do good work at wherever you're employed, where you love to do good work with music or art or creativity or construction or whatever you love to do, whenever we do good and beautiful work, we are doing the good work of God and the world around us. And that we are able to not grow weary in doing good. We continue to do this to all people and especially to the household of God. God, let this be true of our lives that our reputation is we are people who go around doing good, making an impact in the world which leads us straight to Matthew chapter five, the last verse we're gonna look at. I wanna bring everything back together at this point. Matthew chapter five, verse 16. Why does this matter, this idea of kindness and goodness? In the same way, Jesus says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Sometimes, Sometimes in the church, sometimes in Christian theology, we drive a wedge between the message of salvation that's found through Jesus and the calling to do good in the world. And we treat those as two separate things. But the Bible never sees that wedge. The Bible never sees that division or that separation. That salvation comes through Jesus Christ by God's grace as we receive that in faith. And at the same time, we are called to do good in the world. Why? So that people would know the goodness of God and be drawn to him. Spiritual fruit 
leads to spiritual conversations. Why is it so important that we be people of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? Why does God do that work in our lives in the world? Because so often it leads to spiritual conversations where we're able to share the gospel. At Emmaus, we talk about proclaiming and displaying Jesus. As we move ahead as a church family, we are going to make a commitment that we will never back down from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That will be a message we proclaim above all else, that we will call people to repentance and faith in Jesus. We will not back down from that. Neither will we back down from the calling to make a difference in the world, to be kind and do good. I think this is one of Emmaus's hallmarks. I think this is one of the things that I see at work in Jim's life. I see at work in our church family. I hear about it all the time. God, let us be a church that proclaims the gospel, and let us be a church that displays your kindness and goodness to the world, and let us hold those two together, that we don't back away from either, because when we do both, that's when we see God's power at work. That's when we see the gospel moving forward. That's when we see the kingdom coming. And so I just wanna pray for us right now that that would be true for our church, and that would be true for our lives. Let's pray together right now as we get ready to wrap up. God, God thank you so much for the gift of your word. And, and we know that we hear the phrases, be kind and do good, and we might even be tempted to roll our eyes a little bit or say that, that seems so simple. But God, remind us those things flow from your character. And God, I feel so passionate about Emmaus right now as a church family. God, just what, what you're doing here in our church, how you're using us in the world around us. God, we don't want to be those who just do good and then walk away and never share the good news of Jesus, God. We want to proclaim Jesus as Savior and Lord. God, that we would never back away from the good news of the gospel, that we would be people who see baptism happen, who see people coming to salvation. And God, at the same time, thank you that we are able to be a part of a church that is known for doing good in the world. God, that when people experience families and individuals from our church, that they would be greeted with kindness and goodness. God, would both of those be true of our church in the days ahead? And God, because of that, we pray that you would receive all the glory. We don't need people looking at Emmaus or making a big deal of our church. God, we want people to glorify you and come to know the life that is found only through Jesus. So God, do that work in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. God bless you. Continue to do kindness and goodness in the world.